Hello everyone, Angela Peart here and welcome to the Women's Utilities Network One for All podcast, our corner of the world where we will be talking all things utilities, careers and everything in between, equipping you with the knowledge and skills you need to build a long and lasting career. Enjoy! everyone and happy new year welcome back to the one for all podcast i'm sabrina polite one of the advocates at one and today i'm delighted to be joined by louise wapshare for this episode of the hashtag one career stories louise is a ceo of smartest energy business and will be telling us all about her very exciting career journey sharing her insights on career transitions what it means to be a good leader and her top career tips so a big thank you louise for joining us today and welcome Thank you very much. Louise, can you tell us a bit about your career journey today and what you're doing at the moment? Absolutely. So I started out in practice, so straight from university, I went into accountancy and into into practice, um, studying for my ACA, so my Chartered Accountancy exam. Um, But I very quickly decided that that wasn't for me. So after about a year and a half, two years, I moved across into industry um, and I've spent pretty much uh, my entire financial career then in, in industry. So my focus, um, I guess, was always I've always wanted to reach that kind of FD, FD level. Um, so throughout my career, I've looked at moving into roles that help me get a really broad uh, experience across the whole of, sort of spectrum of, of finance. So I've worked in financial control, audit and control frameworks. I've also worked as a business finance partner in commercial finance and also had experience in treasury and tax as well. So really, really quite broad, broad financial experience. And that, that was done on purpose because I knew I wanted to get into that senior senior finance role. And it's really important, I think, to get that broad, broad experience at a small and large company company level. So that was that was really my focus, I guess, throughout, throughout my career. Um, and now I'm sort of sat, sat as um, CEO for the smartest energy business. Fantastic. Um, and I can't wait to hear more about your career journey. Um, I'm sure a lot of our listeners will know about Smartest Energy, who are also one of our partner organisations. But for anyone who isn't familiar with Smartest, could you tell us a bit about who are Smartest Energy and the part of the business that you head up in particular? Yeah, absolutely. So Smartest Energy are part of the large Marabini Corporation, who are headquartered in Tokyo. And within the Smartest group, we've got four, four companies, two, two are based in the UK. One of those looks like after this larger IMC supply business and also the renewable uh, energy aggregation and trading trading side of the business. And then we also have two startups, so one, one in the US and, and one in Australia. And essentially um, what we do is we buy renewable energy from distributed generators across, across the UK. We then aggregate that energy, trade it, and we supply renewable and conventional energy to the large IMC customers, mid-market and small businesses. And then as well as that, we're also looking to provide flexibility services to both our generator and supply customers, which then helps them optimise their energy usage within the business. So my role um, as a CEO of the Smart Energy Business is very much focused on the small and mid-market, medium-sized business supply 
Super. Sounds like a very innovative and exciting place to work. So going back to your career journey, one of the key things I took away was that there's been a lot of transition in your career. And often transition is something that makes people feel quite uncomfortable. So to start with, can you tell us a bit about what made you actually leave your private practice role and what attracted you to the energy sector in particular? Okay, so I started in practice, um, which I did enjoy. There's a vast array of different companies and types of businesses you you get to experience, which is fantastic in a sort of early, early financial career. But rather than audit those businesses, which is what I was doing in that sort of early stage um, of, of my of my career, I wanted to really get involved in the decisions that were being made, being actually feel like I was really part of the company and part of its growth story, um, and somewhere that I could really felt I could make a difference. So that's why I, I made the decision to, to step out of practice and, and into industry. Um, and I didn't make, I didn't straight away step into energy. So when I first left practice, I moved into the automotive industry. So I worked for Rebecca Ford and then Renner UK, uh, and then from then moved into IT. And in my last move, I guess, out of IT, at that point, I was really looking for a role in either IT or energy. So I thought from a financial perspective, they both offered real challenges around the technical side of accounting, which makes, to me, makes the job much more interesting and much more challenging. So yeah, I was looking in IT or energy and ended up ended up moving moving into to energy. Um, and I just think it's really important to be in a an industry where you, you're continually challenged and you feel like you're continually continually learning and using your grey matter and developing yourself. Great. And I think energy is definitely a sector uh, that lends itself well to that, particularly at the moment. Um, and as you say, I think that's one of the great things about working in business, that closeness to the actual sector and being able to understand the wider commercial and policy policy drivers of the sector and how that actually interacts with your job. I think that probably makes for a very rewarding career. Can you tell us a bit about your transition to a more business management role as CEO and what that has involved? Okay, so I guess I guess it all started um, back when I was working in Centrica um, as part of the home home services team, the leadership team there. And as part of that leadership team, yes, I was in I was in the team as finance expert. But as a as a leadership team, you're also talking about the strategic direction of the business, how you can deliver on the the objectives of the business as well. So you get that oversight over all parts of that particular business, which I really enjoyed, and I love getting involved in those non finance discussions, strategic discussions and understanding more about the operation and operational commercial parts of the business. So having done that, my next move then was into Smartest Energy and I moved in as VP of Finance. Um, I knew that I wanted to eventually move into, into general management. And for me, the important thing around that move was um, moving out of the business unit within a large organisation like Centrica and then moving to a role where I oversaw the whole of the finance function. Um, so in Smartest Energy, that, that, that was my role. So that was a really important step for me. And then from that, the opportunity came up to move into the Vice President of INC uh, within Smartest Energy, and that gave me experience around managing the operational and commercial sides of the business, which I hadn't had before. And from there, so from that experience and that desire to develop myself further, I then um, decided to do an executive MBA, and I was fortunate enough to be accepted at London Business School. And also very fortunate um, that my current boss was extremely supportive um, around sort of allowing me the time to be able to do that and the support to be able to do that. So, um, yeah, it was incredibly difficult juggling a demanding full-time job, MBA and a, a demanding family, <laughs> half during lockdown as well. So uh, that, that was that proved, proved a challenge. 
But I found the experience incredibly rewarding and gained, gained a huge amount. And I think what I particularly found useful about doing the MBA at that kind of later stage in my career was I was really able to apply it to what I do, what I see on a daily basis. So for me, it wasn't just an academic exercise. It was something I could really tangibly apply to what I was doing and seeing on, on a daily basis. So that was that was. I guess a big a big step, and then when we bought um, Smartest Energy, bought Dual Energy, which subsequently rebranded to Smartest Energy Business. That then meant that I had the opportunity again to then step into that CEO role. So I've been doing that since since last April. Great. One of the really great things I've taken away from that is you're very much an opportunity taker. Um, and for a lot of people, transitioning into new roles can be quite daunting. Hayley and Angela, two of the founders of One, they often tell me how when they're talking to women um, as part of recruitment discussions, women will often look at a job spec and say, oh, I can do two of those things, but I can't do the rest of those. Did you experience any of those doubt along the way when moving into slightly different roles to what you had done previously? And what lessons did you learn along the way? Oh, every time. <laughs> every time I've, I've made a move. But I think anyone who, who thinks they can just walk into a role believing that they, they can do everything is probably hasn't pushed themselves hard enough. It's always difficult stepping into a new role, um, not only doubting your own ability, but it's also really hard when you think about who your predecessors were and, and thinking about, you know, your current leadership team comparing you to, to their previous previous leader. So it's it's always really, really difficult. And you're right. You know, you, I think as women, we do tend to look at a job description and think, well, you know, an, an advert and I think, well, I can't do 100% of that. So mm. I'm just not, I clearly can't do it. But I think it's really important to push yourself beyond your comfort zone um, because you will always surprise yourself. Um, and, you know, I've certainly found that, you know, when I left Centrica, I'd been there for nearly nine years and I was very comfortable. Mm. <laughs> very comfortable and it was really scary moving and stepping into and it was you know VP of finance overseeing the whole finance function was a big step up for me and you know even with within smartest energy as well stepping into the CEO role and even the INC role before that they're all new territory for me each time it has been a good frightening experience (laughs) but I think if you don't do that you don't know what you're capable of and you surprise yourself you know, you, you do, you surprise yourself at what you really can do. So it's really important that you push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Amazing. And is that something you've always um, kind of told yourself consciously or is it something you think that's just more ingrained into your personality, do you think? it's No, it's definitely something that I think has happened over the last 10 years. I don't know if it's come with maturity. Um, I'm not sure, but <laughs> It's it's certainly something that I've I guess more maybe, maybe I did it before but just not consciously but mm. certainly over the last ten years I've been doing that consciously. That's that's great to know because I think a lot of people think that that confidence is something that you just either have or you don't and isn't something you can actually train yourself to become. So that's really great advice. Moving on slightly on the topic of leadership. So looking back to when you were quite junior in your career, I mean, you mentioned that you were always sort of working to get to that role. And along the way, did you have a very clear and deliberate career path? Or, you know, how did you get to basically the position you are today? How did that sort of play out so I think early on I've always been I guess quietly ambitious um and you know early on as I said before I I knew I wanted to be have an FD or a very senior finance finance role so my focus had been on getting that breadth of experience across different finance functions um, but I think it was only really um and so I say maybe in the last 10 years when I was part of the leadership team at, at um Centrica within the the um, business unit at Centrica 
that I really got felt quite passionate about being involved in the oversight of the entire business rather than just the finance piece. I think from that, that's where the, the ambition then to move eventually into general management management came. But it's it's looking for the right opportunities and the right stepping stones. And for me, the move into smartest energy was definitely the right move for me. It, you know, we touched on earlier around the fact of them sort of pushing yourself outside the comfort zone and not always being confident that you can do the job. And that was certainly how I felt moving across into smartest energy. But it was absolutely the right move for me. And, and pushing myself that way was definitely the right thing, a right thing to do. And, you know, you, as I said, you kind of surprise yourself um, that you can actually do more than you, you think you can. <laughs> so. Great. And now that you've been in a leadership role for some time, what do you think are the important qualities of a good leader? But also, what qualities have you seen in other leaders that you think are probably not so good in your view? I think, I know, I know that, and I know this sounds really, really cliche because people say it all the time, <laughs> um, but being authentic, I think mm. it's probably the most important thing you can do as a leader, really being true to yourself. I think it's especially important for women in leadership roles. And I remember being told a long, long time ago, um, if I wanted to compete with the men in the business, needs to wear makeup, dress the parts and be as loud as the men in the room. Um, but that, that does, just doesn't work because then you're not yourself. Um, you really, it's really important that you are yourself. Yes, you need to learn how to project yourself, uh, make yourself heard in a way that's true to you. Um, but yeah, you need really, really need to be, be, your, be yourself. People can see straight through it if it's if it's forced and then they don't trust you so yeah being authentic is so so important I think also um listening I mean really listening um and taking on board what what other people are people are saying you know I guess putting putting pride aside as well um and admitting when you're wrong um you know it's very easy to be quite defensive <laughs> hmm. but really knowing accepting that you aren't you know you're not right all the time other people have very valued opinions and not letting your pride get in the way is really, really important because um, you're part of a team. You, you know, you might be leading my team, but you are part of that team. Um, and it's really important that you're listening to everyone. Um, and yeah, as I said, just, just leave, leaving your pride outside the room. Mm, um, that's 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 really good advice. Um, and I often hear senior business figures say that once you're in a leadership role, the best thing to do is always hire people who are smarter than yourself. Because as you say, you're you're a team and you're there to learn from everybody else and you're not always going to have the right answers. And I think sometimes for women especially, and I, I might be wrong, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this, but when you kind of rise up the ranks, there perhaps may be a pressure to feel like you always know the right answer. Um, and to maybe not show that vulnerability so much I mean have you have you come across that at all definitely definitely mm. you do and I think um I don't obviously I can only speak from my own experience I don't know if it's because I've come from a strict specialism of finance into general management where you know within finance you know I had a very good detailed understanding across the broad spectrum of finance and in, you know to quite a detailed level um whereas in general management you cannot be a specialist in every single area and it's quite difficult when you first step into general management to um, you feel very vulnerable. And the really the most important thing is you surround yourself with really good leaders, a really good team who understand their own areas and a team that you really, really trust and they trust you. And that's the most important thing. And that's how you work effectively. You don't need to know everything about everything. And I think that's that's really one of the most important lessons I think I have learned. Um, because you do you can sometimes end up feeling very vulnerable when you don't. Hmm. Um 
but yeah you, you cannot it's impossible to know everything about everything yeah absolutely and yeah, it's so important to have the right people around you exactly um and one point you touched on which I'm quite interested to delve into a little bit more is about making sure your voice is heard um the energy sector has gone a long way in improving diversity particularly at board level has that been a challenge for you working in well working in senior management generally but also working in what has and continues to still be quite a male-dominated industry and if it has how have you dealt with that? I think it's all about making yourself present and, and mm. making making sure that you you figure out the sort of techniques and and the way that you can um, I guess bring yourself into a conversation. Uh, so a lot of it's about body language and men and this is a massive generalization so I apologize for <laughs> men tend to be louder yeah, absolutely. And um, more vocal, more vocal in the meeting. Uh, and it, and I, I remember, you know, situations in the past where you're literally finding it so hard to get a word in edgeways, you just end up giving up. Mm. Um, and it's, it's been all about real focus on body language and, you know, almost sort of leaning forward before you make a point or, you know, making a movement so that attention turns to you so that you can then speak. So it's just learning, I guess, techniques and how you can um, bring yourself into make make the points when they need to be made rather than sitting there not being able to get a word in my face and when the opportunity then arises for you to speak the moment's passed <laughs> so, so it's learning it's just it's really learning about how you can change your I guess it's, it's physical behavior the physical prompts that you give everyone else in the room that you would like to say say something that's really good advice and I I've never really considered that before I guess for me one of the tips I was given is just to always make sure you have something to say even if that means prepping in advance for a meeting and just having one point but knowing what that point will be but yeah that body language point is really really interesting and in terms of any more tips you have um for anyone interested in a leadership role who is quite junior in their career what advice would you give I think soft skills I think they're quite often overlooked Mm. but soft skills around um, leadership management um, are really really important and realizing learning that everyone everyone is different and everyone responds to different management styles so you have um, you know you've got rule driven people you have more creative people and you need to understand how everyone ticks it's really important that you you learn those skills so for example if you're pushing someone who's much more creative that can always they can shut down um, they need the space whereas someone who's rule driven really needs to be pushed needs to be told exactly what to do when and it's just learning and, and having that I guess emotional intelligence to understand what different people want and I think that's a really important skill um, and it's the sort of thing that's that's quite quite often overlooked um you know there's, there's I know it's I think focus is quite often on management style rather than that sort of emotional intelligence piece which I think is really really important so definitely um focus on the sort of softer skills as well as you know the, the typical kind of coaching styles I think make sure that you you've got um you get the most not only from yourself also through that coaching encouraging and supporting those around you you know it's not about trampling your way to the top um, you know, you've really got to bring everyone else along with you and encourage everyone. You sort of learn together and, and building those team and that support network. And that's that's really, really important in itself. And I mentioned earlier, the most important thing is just be yourself. Don't try to be 
don't try to be anyone else just just be yourself and in terms of this sort of shift to remote working how has that been for you as you know the CEO of a business and sort of managing your team and is there some difficulty in managing people in the way you've just explained now with people working from home yeah I think it was um I think when we first moved to remote working it was quite it was very challenging it was very difficult trying to get that balance between too much contact and too little contact. And then when we first moved, we literally had daily team meetings. We had weekly wider team quizzes. Um, and I think after a few months of that, everyone was just quizzed out. <laughs> just yeah, like, I know the feeling. <laughs> overkill. So it's finding that balance was, was, um, was really important. But I think what's great now is that you know, certainly at Smartest Energy, and I know across many businesses, we've moved to more of an agile way of working. So certainly in, in Smartest, we ask people to be in business, well, well we can be at work, <laughs> um, two, two days a week, which I think works really, really well. That that mix works very well because you have, it improves your work-life balance. Um, I mean, for me personally, you know, it's it's great. I can take the dog for a longer walk in the morning before I have to get to my desk. Um, you know, we'll see see the kids, my husband at lunchtime, you know, and throughout the day. So it's a new and you're at home in the evening as well. You haven't got to haven't got that commute. So it makes a huge difference to your work life balance. But equally, those two days I think are so important because you can only do so much over a screen. Hmm. And that personal contact is really, really important. So, you know, picking up on other conversations in the office, joining into a, a conversation, seeing someone, you know, making a coffee and thinking, oh, I've got a question I need to ask. Um, those are all the things you miss when you're working remotely. And I think they're so important for relationship building and for collaboration. Um, and also, you know, just generally, it's based on the sort of leadership meetings we have face to face. I just think you get so more, so much more out of people when you are present in a room. It's very difficult on screen because you're just, you know, it's a headshot and you tend to be looking at the person who's talking. Mm-hmm. Whereas around a room, you can pick things up from body language, you know, and you might spot that someone else has got a point to make, you know, so you can bring someone else into the conversation, which is much more difficult um, on, on, you know, when you're doing it virtually. So I think I'm really pleased we've moved to the, the sort of mixed way of working. Because I think we're getting the best, the best of both worlds now. I, I agree. And I think, as you say, that working in the office is particularly important for that collaboration piece and I always say your office is where the culture of your organization lives so it is really important for people to have time in the office to enjoy the really uh, positive things about working for a particular business and being around colleagues um, so yeah completely agree um, and what do you think of uh, there have been a lot of comment recently from senior industry figures saying that remote working is going to be harmful to women's career progression uh, what, what do you make of that? I don't think I don't think that's um, necessarily true. Um, I, I don't understand why it would be any different for women than it is is for men. I mean, if anything, yep. actually, it helps. I think it helps women. You know, women tend to, and again, sweeping generalisation, but women tend to have more involvement in looking after the home, the children. So actually, I think having that that sort of that balance is is more helpful for women. And I think it's, um, yeah, I think certainly, you know, if you're looking at men, men, men women who's, who's gained emotion, it's, I'd say it's women. Interesting. Um, and just for my own curiosity, had you ever worked remotely 
or flexibly uh, during your career prior to COVID or was you mainly office-based? No, it was always always office-based. And do you think going forward after, you know, the last two years, you will be working flexibly more? Absolutely. I mean, I certainly at Smartest, we put in the permanent um, agile flexible working in place I know I know there's um, discussions um, around some of the sort of large large banks some of them are saying everyone back in mm. um, but I think generally I think majority of businesses um, you know where they have the ability to work remotely and I think most most non non sort of manufacturing um, yeah sort of healthcare service industries they, they they do have that ability I think I can't imagine it going back back to the way it was I think there was there was a push for more flexibility and, and more agile working anyway just from sort of the younger generation coming through um, and that that you know that real push for a better work-life balance so that 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 was there that direction was there anyway uh, and I think Covid just forced the issue yeah. and it's probably pushed just about five ten years <laughs> five or ten years on so I can't see that we we will go back and to how we work. Yeah, I agree. And I think now that we have been doing this for so long, I think a lot of people just don't want to go back to that way of working. Um, and while, I, you know, personally, I don't know many people that would like to work from home full time forever. I think definitely, as you say, there will be a more of a move to hybrid working because, you know, being able to just keep on top of life at home is really, really important yeah. to well-being. Um So looking back at the very exciting and varied career you've had, Louise, uh, what are some of your key highlights and challenges as well that you have had over your career? Um, I guess uh, moving out of practice, I think that was a that was quite a big decision. It was very early on in my in my career, but that was that was a really big decision for me uh, and definitely, definitely the right thing right thing to do I guess juggling you know when the kids were babies juggling uh juggling work um and almost I guess putting my career slightly on hold um for a period that was really challenging I actually found that much more difficult than I than I had anticipated and when I actually took the decision to drive my my career forward again I was just a happier person I think (laughs) um you know it was obviously the right the right thing thing for me and then finally I guess moving smartest energy uh, I said before it it was a big big step for me Moving from the comfort of Centrica um, into a smaller, smaller energy business with more responsibility, um, and that was, as I said, that was a scary, scary move. Um, but that was definitely a key highlight, and I'm very, very happy I made that move because I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now. I think it would have taken me longer to get to get to where I am now if I hadn't done that. Great. You've touched on, you know, juggling lots of uh, different moving pieces of family and MBA, um, a leadership role. So what are your top three career tips that you'd share with our listeners? So I'd say make sure that you are picky on what industry you want to work in. I think it's really important that you either work in an industry that you're really passionate about or one that you um, are moving into because you believe it's challenging, which is what I did, which means that you, then you're continually learning because I think you spend so much time working and it's really important that you, you're you challenging yourself or you're in some, you're doing something you're absolutely passionate about. So I think that's, that's really, really important. I think I'd also say every couple of years, just sit down, give yourself some space and just ask yourself, you know, where are you now? Are you still doing what you want to do? Are you still heading in the right direction? Is there anything else you need to do? Are you too comfortable? If you're too comfortable, um, perhaps you need to do something about it <laughs> so, and challenge yourself a bit more. Um, and yeah, and then link to that, just go for it. Link, push yourself outside your comfort zone. Go for things that, you know, you you're not sure whether you can quite do it or not. If there's a little bit of um, uncertainty around there, because more often than not, 
you will surprise yourself um, and you, you'll see that you're far more capable than you ever, ever thought you were. Great. Thank you. Really, really great advice. And I particularly like that point about having sort of a mini appraisal with yourself and checking in and being present in your career journey. And yeah, it's so very easy to get comfortable when you're happy with the job and you like the people around you and that's fine. But um, yeah, if you're the kind of person who's ambitious and likes to be challenged, then that's really great advice and definitely um, something I'll be taking on board. Uh, so thank you, Louise. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you you're clearly very technically competent but also got you have such a high degree of emotional intelligence and really understand what it means to be a great leader so very grateful that you have made the time to sit down and talk with me today and I'm sure our listeners will take so much away from this episode so a big big thank you again well thank you to you for listening to me as well <laughs> <laughs> great thanks very much Louise and thank to you. our listeners thank you for listening to this episode and if you have enjoyed it please do hit subscribe on your podcast app of choice we'll be back with more amazing speakers sharing their insights and experience so stay tuned and spread the word Mm -hmm.